This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the W12 podcast. Um, I'm Ben Platt. Um, just quickly as ever, I just wanted to say a quick thank you for tuning in and giving us a listen. I think whatever, whether it's your first listen, 50th or I think we're close to 100 episodes, I think, don't see, don't we? Um, but look, we, you know, yeah, I mean, look, whether we're joining you on your dog walk or, you know, school run or whatever, um, we really appreciate you listening, listening to the pod, all of us. So, um, yeah. Thank you, and hopefully we can we're delivering it, um, you know, some listening material, and um, we'll continue doing it. We've got a nice podcast to go through today. Um, we've got lots to get through. Um, we've got, as promised, we've got current head coach at QPR, Marty Fuentes, joining us. Um, just before I welcome you into the pod, um, I just want to let you know who's on and joining. Um, we've got Jack Supple. We've got Duncan McCready and we've got Chris Hemetish. Hi, guys. How are you? You good? Yep. Good. Thank you, mate. All good, mate. Excited for this one. <laughs> Jack, welcome back, mate. You yeah. must be, uh, you enjoyed Friday, I bet. Yeah, brilliant result. Um, you know, re- really good. Um, the turnaround is is really quite something and I'm really excited to have the opportunity to speak to the new manager and, you know, put a few questions to him and dig a bit deeper. Dunk, Willick scoring on Friday. I watched it with you, mate. You were um, very pleased that he scored. Mate, it just shows you what happens when you start Chris Willick, doesn't it? He's a manager who trusts him. Wasn't he started before, though? <laughs> no, not really. Not under Ainsworth, was he? No, fair enough. Um, Chris, you good, mate? You, you away, stayed away Saturday? Or, you know, I know you said that you weren't there last Saturday. One game you missed, we won. Yeah, I know. Well... I've missed, I've missed games that we haven't won as well, but I will be back there hoping for hoping and praying for three wins in a row. Great. Thanks, thanks, lads. Um, let's get stuck into the podcast then. As promised, a lot of excitement um, this week or at the end of last week. Um, we welcome on the podcast current QPR head coach, Marty Fuentes. I think I've said that right. Correct me if I haven't. <laughs> and firstly, um, thank you for taking the time out of your Monday evening to join us on the pod. Um, and secondly, um, Welcome to QPR. How are you and how's London treating you? Thank you very much. Pleased to be pleased to be here with you guys. And yeah, London so far uh, treating me very well. Uh, yeah, the weather is what it is. I would not complain about that yet. But uh, no, enjoying so much about, about the welcome from the club and all of the supporters, guys. 
is it um, a lot different in Stockholm? Is there much major? Is there much more traffic or? I would say so. Definitely, much bigger yeah. city. Even if Stockholm is a pretty city, and actually, I think it's around one one point five million. Uh, definitely, uh, the size of London, the distances. I'm I'm trying to get used to it. <laughs> cool. Um, just quickly, um, great win on Friday. Um, how's how's the camp after that? It must have been a great journey home. Yeah, it was a a long one, but I think that the yeah the mood of the of the group of the guys was was worth. So it was a nice trip back home. Cool. Um, can, can I take you back all the way to the start? Um, can you talk us through how the job came about and, and, and what convinced you to come to us, considering the position we were in? Well, actually, everything went really fast. As you know, I was still uh, yeah in the last rush of the season in Hammerby, last two games. And then, uh, yeah, I knew through the club that QPR contacted Hammerby. And then, uh, yeah, that it was something that perhaps I would like to, to listen uh, because such a historic club... In a league like championship, it will be an interesting uh, thing for me to listen to them. And then Hammerby understood that after two years there, we achieved a lot of, of the targets that we had. Um, yeah, at, at some extent, I'm a, still a young coach, so it was it could be an interesting proposal for me. And that's how the process was. In just two or three days, everything was closed. Was it was there any conversations that that, that, that you were looking or any Anything that would stop was going to stop you from taking the job, or did you know as soon as it came in, this was the right time to take it? No, I always try to be very careful about the kind of project yeah. that that I join. And actually, I've been saying many times, I was very lucky to be in a club like Hammerby, that is a very big club in Scandinavia, that we had an average uh, of 27, 28,000 supporters every weekend. So it's a fantastic club to be as well. But obviously, when QPR, a club with the history of QPR, with actually the project that the club proposed to me, even though the situation at this moment is not easy, I was very attracted by the possibility. And and there's there's some reports suggest that you were quite close to getting the job last summer, I think last summer, um, a season or two ago. Um, were, were those reports accurate? Were you were you spoken to when when uh, Mickey Bill got the job? You know, I think that there's always a lot of rumors in yeah. in football world. <laughs> uh, the important thing is that now I'm here. And I'm very pleased to be here now. Yeah, great. So are we, so are we. Um, I remember, um, I just want to, I think, I think the first thing I want to ask is when you first come into the club, what was the first thing that you've, what the first things that you've changed, sort of maybe non-footballing, was there anything that you've come in and, and instantly changed? Well, you know, for me, it's always a, a balance about learning what the club wants, what the club has been doing, learning about the context, as I say, where the players are, where the club is, and as well bringing uh, your own ideas. Because at the end of the day, if, if the club is is calling me in that case, it's because they think that my my way of thinking in football about my teams are playing is the one that, that they want to see looking forward. So uh, my main focus in the beginning is always the pitch, is always the training, is always the way we want to play to build what I call this identity as a team. And that was uh, from the beginning uh, the main focus because I do think that what happens in the pitch is the most important. Then, of course, it's about trying to build a structure around it. So I need to learn about how the club is working, about how I can give my best strength to the club and, and, and to learn how to be efficient altogether. I mean, we've all noticed a, a change in style um, um, since you've come in. I, I know you spoke about the three Ps a few times. I just wondered if you could just go over it in a little bit more detail maybe and tell us how far down that timeline of us being efficient at that that we are and, and, and how do you see that going? 
Well, it's not a secret that I'm very fond of what some people call that is the positional uh, way of playing. Uh, that is a, a philosophy that comes a little bit from from Netherlands. If you want to go back, even from Hungary on fifties. So, but that yeah has been very very influenced uh, by Barcelona, by FC Barcelona, and I'm grown there, and and I was growing watching Johan Cruyff and Barcelona. So. Uh, the main thing about this way of playing is that obviously it's an attacking philosophy. It's not a catenaccio. It's not about defending the lead, but about having an expression that that I would say that is about uh, trying to score as many goals as you can. And and this is based into into the position in the pitch is the main peak because I do think that when you have the right uh, yeah, position in the pitch, then you get more time on the ball, which makes things much easier. And if you have uh, the main difference between the top leagues and, and, and lower level leagues is basically the time that the player on possession has. Everything happens much faster. So that means that having one meter extra, having one, half a second extra, that can make the difference. And this you can only achieve it by having the right position at the right timing. And this is a little bit the foundation of this way of playing. Then it's about pressing because we want to regain the ball quick because we want to attack again. So uh, pressing high, trying to regain the ball very quick is a big part of this of this way of playing. And then, um, yeah, it's a little bit use the possession, not by looking fancy, but because if you have the ball, the opponent doesn't have the ball. So then it's only you that at this moment of the game you can score as long as you have the ball. So actually, it's pretty basic on the on the foundation, but but in my opinion, it makes a lot of sense. And how have you found the championship, especially compared to other leagues? Is it, has it since you've been in it now? Have you is that changed in how you approach games as you go through each game? How have you found it? No, actually, I think that uh, yeah, I had the the possibility to to work in different countries like Norway, like Denmark, like Sweden in top in the top divisions, and and that gave me a good overview about not only from where I coming from Spain. Um, so I adapt quite quickly. I think that I saw a lot of games in championship before coming here. Um, it was a very nice test to have the first experience in English football in Rotherham. Very direct, uh, very English football, if you want to say that like this. It was a very nice experience, but the foundation will never change. I think that I will adapt some, some details about the way we want to attack, the way we want to defend according how the league is. Um, but that's a pattern. I, I think that the main foundation about the expression we want to have, it will be, it will not change. Uh, Marty, I just wanted to um, just jump in on this one, if it's okay. Uh, on your um, first training video, there was a, uh, it was really interesting. There was a nice long shot at the end of you um, in deep discussions with Ilias Chair and Chris Willock. And that kind of gave a lot of the fans a bit of hope that we might see you know, a bit more out of them too under your stewardship and um, you're getting great performances out of them both right now. So it's kind of interesting to know what is it if you said to them either tactically or motivationally that's kind of resulted in their upturn in form um, and speaking about them as players, what, what impresses you about them as players? You know, what, what do they offer that you find you know, really great for the team? Well, I think it's not a secret that, that you, you already know that I like both of them fit very well into my idea of playing football. I think they they can be very important players for us. And so far, I'm very happy about, about their performance level. I don't remember exactly the content of, of our talk that first day, but for me, it was about letting them know that they, they can be very important for us, that I have a big belief that they can make the difference in many games for us. And that perhaps probably at that moment was a start to, to share the ideas that I had with them as well, because I like to learn from the players, how they feel, how they think, and how I can get the best of them. 
Great. I mean, and just on a couple of other players that sort of stood out under your tenure so far, I mean, Elijah Dixon Bonner has really kind of contributed and come on leaps and bounds in his recent performances. Is he someone you think that can grow a bit more as the season goes on? Do you have high hopes for him as well? Very much. I think that I was quite impressed because he was not playing so much. So I wanted to to really get to know him better. But since day one on, on the first practice, he has shown a, a big capacity and a big talent to play. So perhaps the fact that he comes from certain academies that he already knows a little bit, perhaps some of, of, of the foundation of the basics of this way of playing helps him. But I'm so glad about the attitude he's having, the impact he's having, not only on trainings, but on the games. So hopefully he can be one of those players that will just uh, show how good they are. That's great to see. And I mean, just to touch on Willick, uh, just once more, I mean, he's had a rough kind of 18 months or so with injuries and um, he's sort of struggled to get his fitness or, you know, get a run of games. I mean, he's playing with a smile on his face now. He's scored in back-to-back games. Um, we would obviously love him to stay at the club and we know his contract is sort of, you know, winding down this year. Is he someone you know, you'd like to keep ideally at QPR long-term under your stewardship or is that a discussion for later on in the season, you know? Yeah, probably now we're in a moment where I'm just assessing the players, knowing knowing all of them, um, looking forward to see what they can deliver because now we are so happy after two wins in a row, but I think we need to be very cautious in, in before taking a uh, big assessments. Uh, now, Chrissy has done very well uh, these first five games. There is no doubt that he's a quality player. And, and for me, as you said, I think that he's enjoying, which for me is the foundation of, of a good performance level. And yeah, my focus is try to get the best of him. What's going to happen in the next months, uh, no one knows, but it's important that he's feeling happy and he's a player that, that obviously is an asset for QPR. Marty, I just quickly wanted to ask, um, obviously against Stoke, Lyndon Dyke scored a uh, cool penalty. Then uh, the one-on-one um, -on -one chance where he couldn't quite um, take it. Um, and then we went down, they, they went down the other end and scored from the resulting corner. Um, did you have a chat with him at halftime? Because he seemed to come out in the second half and obviously he got that great strike to get us back into the game. So had you had a word of him, given a bit more confidence? I hope I hope I could have these magic powers to speak with the players in the right time and then make sure that they could score every game. No, no, uh, it's true that we had a good a good talk. I would say before that game, uh, the day before, I would say, uh, because I have big expectations on Lyndon. I think he's a he's a good striker. Um, sometimes with the strikers, we tend to be very harsh on our judgment just based on the on the data. So we just look how many games they play, how many goals they score, and then we forget about everything else that they can contribute with. Um, I think he's an international player for Scotland. He has experience and, and he gives us a lot of good things. Uh, as the other strikers in the team, as Charlie Kelman, as uh, Sinclair Armstrong with different skills can give to us. My job is to get the best of all of them. But what I value of, of Lyndon in this specific game against Stoke is first of all, the personality he showed by taking the ball and, and, and scoring the penalty in perhaps not an easy situation. So that shows big personality. And then the capacity he had, in my opinion, to perform at very high level in the second half, despite, you will say, a mistake. Okay, chances is only for the ones who, who, who take the, the situation, to, that are in the situation to get into the chance. So he missed a 1v1, but then he scored a fantastic goal. So all the work he, he did in terms of pressing, in terms of filling the box, uh, setting up the game. I think that last game against Preston, he had a brilliant, brilliant second half. I think that he's showing so far that he can be a very important player for us. Yeah. 
Um, obviously, we're not far away now from the January transfer window. Obviously, we've been struggling to create goals and score goals so far this season. Is that an area you're looking to strengthen? Is Or have you got other areas you feel we might need additions? Have you been given a budget or anything like that? No, the main focus, as I said, I think the first day I came, I already got that kind of questions. Uh, you already know, guys, what is our situation regarding the financial fair play. So my main focus is try to get the best of this squad. I think that, as I said from the beginning, one of the main reasons why I came to QPR was because I thought that there was a lot of talent in the squad. There is a lot of quality, in my opinion, that can be developed according to the way we want to play. And then second, I will look very close, very actively in the academy because I like to work with young players. Um, yeah, unfortunately, now we had one of, of, I think, a very good player that is Alex uh, in the development team got a, an important injury, unfortunately. But he's one of the players. Stephen Bala now is on low, but he's doing well. There is plenty of quality that we need to assess well before taking any decision. And, and what's going to happen in winter again, we don't know yet. But the important thing is to make sure that we get the best of, of the, the players we have right now in the squad. Yeah. Um, obviously, speaking of young talent, is there any hidden gems in the Scandinavian like leagues you could bring over, add to the squad in the summer, maybe? Well, definitely is an area <laughs> yeah, that, that I know. But uh, so far, my talks with the scouting department, they already have a good control of it as well. So that's very good to know. I can help with my perhaps uh, first-hand approach and, and, and knowledge of, of how the leagues, how the players are. But uh, I always say the same. I think that there is good players uh, everywhere. Uh, for us, usually the main uh, target, main market will be always the English market. But if there is a good opportunity and we think that there is a player that fits into what we want and what we can do as well, uh, why not? I think Scandinavian players have shown historically good adaptation to English football. Yeah. And obviously, last one for me. Have you set yourself any kind of like short, medium and long term targets for your first season with QPR? Win the next game, <laughs> win as many games that we can play the best football we can. That's that's the, the easy, basic foundation. But trust me that in the situation where we are, um, of course, we have a lot of strategic thoughts, a lot of strategic talks with the board, with, with all the levels in the inside the club. But uh, for me, the main thing is uh, how we can win against Hull and then the next one. Because I think as well, I want to bring a little bit this, uh, this desire, this hunger about thinking only about winning games, football games, because I think that that at the end is what develops a, a clear culture and a clear uh, winning mentality. Definitely. And I think that's really positive for us to us to hear. If you can win more home games for us, then everybody, everybody will be happy, that's for sure. Um, I want to go back to your first training session at QPR. So, so you've come in, you haven't really had a lot of time with the players. You might have had very few conversations with each of them. How difficult is that from a coaching point of view to to come in, to set up a session that is where you haven't had that interaction? Or is that something that you feel you're quite used to now because of your experience in the game, because you've come into clubs midway through seasons? Well, as you said, actually, first of all, I need to say that both the players and the staff made the things very easy for us. So even though it's a bit of a, of a challenge to come in the middle of the season, especially in the situation... I was playing on a Monday night uh, in Sweden and I was taking a flight at six o'clock in the morning to to make sure that we could make the training uh, on Tuesday. So it was a bit of a hectic day, but I think that everybody contributed to to make it very in a very positive way, very smooth. 
And yeah, I always have this idea about in the first practices about trying to build the, the foundation about the philosophy, the identity, how to set a little bit how we want to play. And in that sense, uh, yeah, perhaps it helps that right now is the fourth time I take over a, a team in the middle of the season. So I already know about the challenges. It's about you don't have a precision, you don't have time to to be very philosophic, but you need to be hands-on from day one. And in that sense, I want to to give all the credit to the players because they were very on from from the minute one, and and they have been working really really well the last during the last six weeks. I guess it's a big positive that a training ground is so close to Heathrow that when you do fly in, you uh, won't be travelling for too long uh, before that training session starts. Um, obviously, coaching players who who play a lot of minutes, they're in the squads all the time, is quote-unquote easy, right? If they're playing games, they're easier to be coached and they're, they're happy. How do you go about coaching the players who perhaps for a lot of this season haven't been involved? So like the ones who haven't got many minutes, so Taylor Richards, Charlie Kelmans, etc. How difficult is it to to make them feel as if they are going to be part of the squad because you know you're going to need them at key parts of the season, but they might not have got those minutes that they want so far. Yeah, but actually, usually it's quite easy when a new manager comes in, it's a fresh start for everybody. And I was quite clear into that. I mean, that's the pros and cons about getting a new manager. One of the advantages is that suddenly the players feel that there is a chance for them to to start and to convince the new manager that they can be important players. And that, that opportunity was was there for everybody, is there for everybody. Then the second message that I send is that the way I work, I've been working in my last clubs and as well, my, I have a strong belief into the what I call the bench impact from game to game and as well during over a season. I do think that there is a definitely a possibility to change games with uh, knowing that the games usually are 90 minutes and knowing that you have certain tools in the bench that can help you to get where you where you want. So I think that the players are understanding this, especially in a league like championship. Look at our last week. We got three very demanding games in, in just seven days. And, and it was very important for everybody to, to be able to contribute. And I'm very glad that especially in the last two games against Stoke and against Preston, uh, the bench impact definitely helped us to win those games. So the opportunities are there for everybody. They need to deserve. They need to to work hard to get the minutes. It's not about just the manager giving opportunities to everybody because at the end it's about performing. It's about winning football games. And if in one game we need, we think that the best option to win the game is to just stick with eleven starting for ninety minutes, I will do it. No, no doubt about it. But I've been always a strong believer that it's important to get the best of all the squad. And so far, you mentioned a couple of players, but I don't know. Charlie, Charlie Kelman has been excellent. In the last two games, the way he he came in with his energy definitely helped us to win both games. Just an example of one player, or as you mentioned in the beginning, someone mentioned Elijah. Uh, yeah, Elijah in, so far in the beginning of the season was not playing so much. And in those last five games, I think he started three of them and he has been very good, I would say. So it will be opportunities for all of them as long as they deserve and as long as it can help us to win football games. No, definitely. And I think, yeah, it's... It's always good for fans to see those players who, like I said, haven't had the the minutes or the opportunities really take them when a new manager comes in because we get we then get the sense that they we know they've got the ability, but having the confidence just seems the, the key part for a lot of players. Just the right manager at the right time to go, no, I've got confidence in you. You can be a big part of this team. And we're kind of seeing that with a lot of them now. Obviously, you've talked about using the squad making the right substitutions. 
substitutions have been a kind of key part of what you've done so far. The fans have really taken to you taking that proactive approach, um, using the bench in the right times, particularly in the last two games. Is that something that you feel just comes from experience? Do you have anything pre-planned or is it just, look, I'll see how the game is going and then I'll decide who who can make the best impact? Now you're very happy with me because perhaps in the last two games it worked. It will be one day that you will say that I'm a Sunday league coach because the subs <laughs> will not work. So guys, this is football. It's very, it's very complex. It's, it's difficult. We try our best to take the decisions based on our knowledge of the game or our knowledge, especially uh, the, the information we know by working every day with all the players. We get more information than all of you, <laughs> than everybody else. And sometimes we make good decisions, sometimes bad decisions, because at the end it's a game. So the, the, the opponent coach as well take good decisions. You try to, to move a piece, then he moves a piece, and this is a bit of, of a game. But uh, definitely there is always uh, a plan um, before the games on how we can use the bench. And eventually, then you need to adjust and adapt. Sometimes the plan that you get after 50 minutes is gone because you get a red card or because you concede a goal or because the opponent changed the formation. Um, it's a lot of things that that makes this, this game beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we saw the amazing impact that Ilias Chair had off the bench on, on Friday night. He kind of admitted in his interview he obviously wasn't best pleased at being left on the bench but we know you'll kind of have your have your reasons and he responded in the perfect manner right I guess that's what you're looking for as a head coach for players to to come on make the impact but to respond to you in the right way yeah definitely as I said this one worked well um, when I spoke with Ili before the game about him not starting obviously he was not happy and and actually I think that's the way it should be uh, any player in the world must be happy by starting on the bench but he understood the reason. We actually it was very simple. Uh, he played two ninety minutes the first uh, the previous two games, and then we wanted some kind of fresh legs using this rotation at the top, especially um, the winger position is quite demanding in our system. And then Paul Smith missed the first game of the week against uh, Norwich because he was suspended, but instead he was more fresh to play the second and the third. Uh, Chrissy played the game against Norwich, but then we rest him a little bit in the game against Stoke and it was a little bit about trying to get the best of of Elias and according how what kind of picture what kind of game we thought that how it could be he had a fantastic impact and if it helped that he was uh, upset with the manager I'm fine with that he can be upset with me every day if he performs as he did <laughs> Marty I just wanted to touch on um, sort of set pieces but mainly corner I mean they've been an air of frustration in fans for years so don't worry it's not nothing new um, but I, I noticed in an interview that you said that you were working on them I just wondered where you were, you know, how that was going and, and what we can expect because, you know, sometimes in games they can be really useful and sometimes we've been a bit wasteful in them. I just wondered where you were in your, you know, in doing that. Yeah, definitely we share that so far. I think defensively we have been quite stable, I would say. It's true that in the yeah. first game against Rotherham we conceded a goal on set piece. But um, I think so far defensively the team has a good organisation. Um, offensively we have been really, really bad, I would say that. So we know we are very well that we need to improve. Um, some some uh, of the takers have not been delivering as we would like to. So it's about a little bit the quality on the delivery. It's about the timing on the on the runs. It's about uh, some players are what we call the blockers, the screening players. So it's a little bit about working properly uh, all together as a team. 
But there is an area of the game that uh, that I actually usually work quite a lot. That my teams, for instance, in Denmark, in Norway, actually in Sweden, I think last season, previous season, I think we got plus eighteen at the end of the season. So the difference between goals to score and considered was massive. Mm. I think that when you, perhaps especially those days that you're not having the flow offensively, that perhaps you're not creating as many chances as you would like because of several reasons. Definitely a good set piece, a good set play can help you to win the game. And this this can this must be a, a part of our winning mentality about even on the bad days, good teams are winning football games. So it's a little bit that mindset behind it that, that can help us to to win games. Um, just just to end, I don't want to take too much of your time. We've just obviously put this out on social and we've just got a few questions, if you don't mind. There's nothing there's, there's not too many. Um I just wanted to run through them with you. We've got one from Jay to Brownie. What's the latest on um, Sinclair Armstrong? I know that he's he's he, he, he tweaked something in the warm-up and he was missing on Friday. Is, is there any update? Yeah, <laughs> he got a feel he got a feeling, as you know, before the game against the Stoke in the thigh. Um he's doing well, he's doing better. And the plan is that tomorrow he will train with the group and from there we will see how he how he develops. But uh, it's quite positive uh, for the weekend. Um, and from Ed Smith, 23, um, is there anyone who surprised you in training outside of the main talents? Yeah, it's always nice to work close to the players. But um, yeah, I'm impressed with the experience, the leadership of uh, Begovic, of Asmir. Uh, I'm very surprised about the the capacity to build. The Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. App of uh, Cook, uh, I think that uh, another leader for us. Um, you know, it's many players, the energy of Reggie Connor. Uh, actually, Aaron Drew is another fullback with a lot of energy. The quality of Ken, it's always, you know, you get a picture from seeing the players on the TV, but when you start to work with them, there is always uh, some highlights that, that that yeah, I got quite impressed with many of them. Uh, I've got a question from Scott C. Jones. He said that he listened to a podcast where you mentioned your first English game was to watch QPR under Pablo Salsa. Um, I just wondered if you could let us know how that came about, what the background was. Yeah, when I moved to London in 2007, um, yeah, I think I arrived on uh, Friday and on Saturday, uh, QPR was playing a derby against Charlton. Um, Paolo Sosa was the head coach back then. Um, and I remember Flavio Villatore and Bernie Eccleston, I think, both of them, they were in the, in the stands. So, yeah, it was a very nice experience uh, to get my first foot in, in English football. Um, and just quickly, two more. Um, Ed Allen Art has just has asked, how is Taylor Richards fitting into your plans and, and, and how best can you unlock the potential that, that lies within him? How, what are you doing? Yeah, not a secret that he's a quality player. Um, mm. My job will try to will be try to get the best of him. Uh, fortunately, he was sick during the week, so he missed the last two games. Uh, yeah, hopefully he can start to train regularly and, and we can try to get the best of him. And I've got one here from D Dyer DJ. Um, do you actually like paella and estrella? Um, I do. I do actually like paella a lot. I'm not a great drinker uh, of uh, estrella, uh, to be fair. Um, I prefer a glass of wine, but uh, I definitely cook good paellas. <laughs> great. Look, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, hope you haven't taken too much of your time. And um, good luck for Saturday. And um, hopefully we can speak again soon. Yeah. Thank you very much, guys. It was a pleasure. Cheers, Hopefully, Cheers, see you Marty. soon. Thank you. Thanks, Marty. Cheers.
there we go. Marty Fuentes there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, not specifically the interview, but I guess just in general, I do feel a lot at ease that there's a plan, that there's, you know, even if it doesn't come off, he mentioned it in there around sometimes his game plan isn't going to work. But it's nice that there is one. It didn't feel no. like, especially towards the end, there was one, at really. Um, and the, the in-game management is just refreshing. Um, Jack, I don't know what you what you, you, your view of, of the interview was, and, and Marty specifically over the last couple of games. I think he, he spoke as, as he does in his pre- and post-match interviews across other media channels. He, he's very very direct and he has a really clear way of explaining, you know, his communications amazing, you know, you know, in my opinion, the way he sort of, and clearly that is the case with how he's delivering his messages to the players, because, you know, to have such a, an impact so quickly is, you know, goes without saying he's, he's, he's using his past experiences of joining teams midway and getting them out of trouble or getting them up, you know, and it's paying dividends here. You know, he's, Looking at the sample size he's got, five games in, eight points. It's the best start to a, you know to a manager's tenure since Warnock came in 2010 when he sort of kept us up the year, you know, the season before we went on that crazy promotion season. I'm not, you know, suggesting <laughs> rounds. I just, I, you know, at this point at this juncture, I just take staying in the division. But um, yeah, no, it's really encouraging, and um, you can't help but feel buoyed by how he talks, how he describes football tactically. You know, he comes across very astute and I have a lot of confidence in what he's going to bring to this team. You know, it just, it's a nice feeling considering where we've been the last year. You know, it feels like, especially the Stoke game, it bookended what a nightmarish sort of 18 months and, um, you know, bar a couple of weeks under Mick Bill. <laughs> so, uh, mm. yeah, no, I, I think, you know, it's obviously early days, course we don't want to get too carried away but you know what he's doing in such a short space of time is very impressive it feels like i like what he said about chair dropping him and i like that in general i mean i didn't like it at the time <laughs> obviously i love it now because <laughs> he went on to score but um, <laughs> but i guess when that does come off it doesn't just do that to the fans it doesn't to Ilias as well i guess and other players you know look you know I'm not not the boss but you know the, the the plan comes first, the formation, the style comes first, right? And you suit the plan rather than I thought, and let's talk too much about Ainsworth, but it was very much us against the world mentality. And you know, you you know, we'll get so I, I I get that from him. Dunk, um you you, you watched Friday. What what were you what were your outtakes? Oh I mean obviously take out before before the game kicked off and we saw the team line up, me and you both were <laughs> sat in the pub a little bit like, what is going on? Like, how can you drop Ilya's chair? Um, and it just it was completely justified, wasn't it? I feel like with Marty, he kind of uses the first half to kind of gauge the opposition. And he kind of then sees what he can tweak in game to give us that edge. Mm. Obviously, I know Colback picked up a little bit of a knock and stuff, and that's why... Um, chair came on at half time. I don't necessarily think it was tactical like from the off to do that, but it just made such a difference that we literally came out second half. Like first half was an awful game of football. Like I don't even need to talk about it. It was that <laughs> bad. But second half, Ilias came out and was literally so fired up that he literally was the best probably one of the best performances from him we've seen in 12, 18 months. And that just made such a difference. And he, I mean, you see when he plays well, it gets the best out of Chrissy Willock. And when those two 
are smiling and enjoying their football, we get the best QPR that we can get. It was a bit like a time warp, wasn't it? Like, um, Chair um, setting up Willick and, and Smith scoring. It was it took us back to 2020. I don't know if they played together, Willick and Smith, did they, Jack? I don't know. But it kind of felt like I'd gone back in time a little bit. I'll have to double check that one. But, you know, we know Chair and Willock play together. And boy, when they're on form, they're just yeah. an pleasure to watch. And, you know, they've, you know, since Willock joined the club, Chair and uh, Willock have combined for 10 goals. They've set each other up 10 times, which is the most of any QPR duo, you know, in that period. So when they're on song, it's the heartbeat of the team going forward. And, you know, just on Chair, under the new manager, he's got three goal involvements in, uh, no, he's got four goal involvements, sorry, a goal and three assists in four appearances under Sifuentes. You know, he got four goal involvements under Ainsworth in 23 games, didn't even score. So it's quite it's quite crazy how effective Chair's been under the new manager compared to the last one. You know, it was sad to see Chair just trying to run channels and running, taking the ball into like alleyways where he's never going to get any joy. But now he's he seems to have more direction and it's, you know, really paying dividends. Chris, quickly, mate, you know, uh, we... I don't know what another really positive is when I was thinking about it earlier was how defensively, and he, and, and he mentioned it um, earlier, was we look a lot more solid defensively um, in all the games, really. I know Stoke, I think the first half, they really, I think they surprised us that a bit more of the ball. And, and I mean, they scored that one that really good goal, second goal. But other than that, I think it's been pretty good. Yeah, we haven't. Um we don't have the feeling that, oh, God, as soon as the team attacks us now, they're going to score, um, which, yeah. God, that was an awful feeling. Like, as yeah. soon as someone broke past Field and Colback, it just felt like they had, every team had an extra man. You're like, okay, well, we're going to about to concede. Yeah, we don't have that. Friday, they had, they had one shot that was scuffed. They had an offside effort that um, didn't, not quite sure who was actually offside in that uh, um, that incident, but somebody was and he fired over anyway. And then, um, yeah, even when we scored the first goal, it still felt as if we were going to be the ones to get a second. And touch wood, obviously, it's worked out really well. But it didn't feel as if, oh, if we don't get a second here, we're going to pay for it. Can't. When was the last time we had that feeling? Honestly, can't remember. It's been that long. Um and yeah, like Dixon Bonner had a great effort, really good save from the keeper. Um, and then yeah, the the fact it was chair to Willock, I think, is kind of icing on the uh, icing on the cake. That you then felt right. We played an incredible half of football with chair at the heartbeat of it. But then those two, if they're back, suddenly the confidence in the players, the club, the fans is like we can do this. Um, we can survive. Yeah, I think it's important, Doug, to keep our feet on the ground a little bit. It's great, and we've got two good results, but I still think there's a lot of work to do. I don't think that there's a lot of goals in the team, personally. Um, and with January fast approaching, but there's still quite a few games before then. But the good thing is about winning those two games is we've brought a load of other teams closer to us. I appreciate Huddersfield have had a couple of good results, but actually, when you look at it, you know, Swansea back in it, Millwall, Plymouth, you know, we're just bringing these up other teams back into the fold as well. Um, how, what do you think on December? How many points do we need? How do you think we're going to do? What What are you thinking? Um, obviously, if we can get another six points in December, 
that'll keep us, I think, in the mix. I can't see all the other teams above us picking up maximum points at all. Some of them are performing really badly at the minute. But I think, like Marty said, um, it's taken every game by game. And if we can get a bit of a winning momentum, like that breeds confidence. Like mm. you can see it already winning two games back to back. We haven't done that for over a year since like Mickey Bill was in charge. Like that will give the squad a massive boost. So we won back taking... to back at last season, didn't we? Under Ainsworth, yeah, exactly. Stoke and Burnley. Oh, yeah. But, but I guess but, I see your point. I mean, the home games as well, you know, with a home game involved. Yeah. But it's just like that gives a momentum, doesn't it? It gives us, like, so December then looks more positive because we've won back to back games. The squad looks good. Ilias and Chrissy Willock look like they're finding some of their good form again. Obviously, not back to their brilliant best, but they're finding that form. Obviously, that's crucial to us, isn't it? Getting them two firing in December. And what we need to do is stop teams coming to Loftus Road and not having a game plan against us, if that makes sense. Because I think that benefited us a lot at the start of that last season. And when we go on these runs on the Warburton and stuff, teams came to Loftus Road and they sat back a little bit. They were a bit more wary of us. They knew we had dangers like Chair, Willick, et cetera. And we've, we've completely stopped that now. I think teams just come to Loftus Road recently and just knew if they played decent, there's probably a good chance they'll get a result. Do you know what I mean? But when you've got Willick and Chair on form... And I, I just think it gives them something to think about. Getting Dyke scoring, and it, and it means that they might, might not be as, you know, a, do you know what I mean? Attack minded, Jack. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, I feel like that's happened at Loftus Road quite a lot recently. Teams just come over, expect, you know, play half decent, they'll walk away with the points. Well, I think it's because under Ainsworth, we sort of surrendered possession and territory on the pitch. You know, Loftus Road, you know, you can make that a fortress, and we've seen that over the years. But I felt like we were sort of playing as an away side quite a lot of the time. And then when there was pressure on the manager to try and like be a bit more front-footed, we were terribly exposed. Um, whereas I feel like, especially the last couple of games, like um, with these two wins, we're kind of pressing, you know, with more intensity, with more efficiency, and we're kind of winning the ball back higher up. And second half at Preston, you know, we were playing like the home side, ironically. You know, we were, you know, pinned them in. They limited them to just a counter-attack opportunity here and there. And, you know, if we if are we able to turn that into our home performances? Can we pin teams back a bit? Are we gonna, you know, because I think you're right. I think there's been an air of uh, we can get we can get a result at Loftus Road, you know, mm. team out of form. I mean, we saw, didn't we, Blackburn, Coventry, and Sunderland winning as many home games as we have now this year. <laughs> you know, we're now level, so that's you know, we can go ahead of them this weekend. Something to aim for. But you know, I, I feel like it, breath breath of fresh air with the way they're playing and actually Dykes, you know, coming to coming for a lot of criticism. I've been critical of him as well. And I think Preston played really well. Um, Stoke, you know, it was, they were good and bad, but it's a Stoke, obviously that second goal was superb. But when he's got players around him, linking up with him, he looks a different player. When he's isolated, he he just looks hopeless, which you, you know, a lot of strikers will. Uh, but yeah, he's, you know, he's got, he's still got a point to prove Dykes. He's, you know, he's got to win some fans back, I think. And, you know, performances like the last two games, hopefully go a long way to that. But uh, yeah, I, you know I think teams those two results are going to make teams you know look a bit different, look at QPR differently now, and they'll be like, okay, oh, we might need to be you know rein it in a bit, Loftus Road. Right? Um, just yeah. jumping in there, talking of points to prove, what do you think of um, Lyndon's elbow? <laughs> I was going to mention that. 
do you think he got away with one there? Do you think it was deliberate? It didn't look it didn't, replays didn't look good, but replays never look good, do they? When they're slowed down, his eyes are his eyes are always on the ball, but I think players know when a player is close-ish. I don't think he's he hasn't swung it like an Ashley Barnes style and been like, "I'm going to clobber you." But if he'd got a red card, I don't think we could have mm. moaned too much. Um, or equally, if that was against us and Ched Evans had done that, we might have been like, "This is how has he got away with a yellow? So, but maybe, maybe that fired him up even more. Elbowing someone and then off the back of two goals. But yeah, in that second half, he was he was exceptional. Um, thought he played the role perfectly, perfectly for what we needed. Um, the only thing that would have capped it off was if he had a if he scored a, scored a goal. But I don't think he really had any chances. And you know, Smith ran in just past Dykes. Um, if you watch that goal again and you just watch Smith when Chair had the ball, he's making the run for like 20 yards. He's going, I'm, I know where this ball is going. I'm getting on the end of it. We haven't had that probably all season. Chair's just been whipping in the ball to one person. I've, I've been delighted with Smith, really. Since I, I just think that he is... I know his quality is frustrating sometimes. I know it frustrates you, Dunk, a lot. Um, that his end product's not there, and it isn't. And he's a winger, right? He'll turn up a couple of times a month, probably. That's just, you know, if he didn't, then he'd be, you know, wanted by higher up, you know. But his pace causes issues. Even if he doesn't do anything, it, it still causes problems, right? And frantic defenders do weird things, don't they? Like, if they're not sure. Like, I remember Bristol City, he had that defender on toast. I know, and the defender didn't know what to do. He was panicking. He was all over the place, really. And I just think that if we can just get him in form, another couple of goals, I think he's going to be, and play him in the right position, as far forward as possible, right? That's where we want him. Um, and if we can do that and step up five yards, um, I think it will benefit Dykes and I think it will benefit everyone, really, because he gets us up the pitch as well. Um, and what I like about him, he's got, he's got a bit of tenacity. I don't know if anyone's noticed that about him since he's come back. He's got a bit more aggressive and he'll just go flying in. And, and I kind of like that. I don't know about any, if anyone else has noticed that. But um, yeah, I've been really impressed with him. It's a fine line, isn't it, with Smith? I mean, he, a lot of his yellow cards were for descent and, you know, kicking the ball away. So it's petulance almost. So there's a fine line between tenacity and his petulance. And you, you wanted to channel it in the right way. You know, he's he can, he's clearly a player that gets under opposition fullback's skin, you know, with that pace. And the pace is something that we do lack a little bit throughout the squads. And he's absolutely key. He gives an outlet on that right-hand side. I, I remember under Ainsworth, we were trying to do the diagonals out to Smith regularly, but it just wasn't landing. But... He seems to be getting more involved. You make a good point. He's sort of playing five, ten yards higher up the pitch now. Getting, you know, and you want mm. to see wide forwards getting on the back post. You know, it's very Man City, isn't it? You know, doing that, and you get a lot of goals. You know, Raheem Sterling's made a career out of that, getting at the back mm. stick, just getting the tap-ins. And I think he he is someone. If you know, if he's going to get the service, if players like Cher and Willock are going to find him, he could get five, ten goals this season. And we need we need midfielders to chip in to support Dykes and. Just on Smith, you know, quirky little stat on him. You know, we saw him do that goal, you know, goal scoring backflip for the first time for QPR since April 2018 versus Sheffield Wednesday. There's a gap of five years and 235 days between his goals for QPR. That was the longest gap between a player scoring two goals for QPR since Gavin Peacock, who scored in mm. 1987. He came through the, you know, youth set up. And then 
off he went on you know various teams Gillingham, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Chelsea. Came back on loan in '96 and he scored for QPR. So it's the biggest gap since his sort of nine-year stint there. So a bit of a weird one, but uh, Austin did something similar, didn't he? He came back and he scored after five years, but Smith's uh, record's slightly longer. So it's quite great to see, though. And you hope with Smith he's going to he's gonna push on because, you know, he's a confidence player and he's making a step up to divisions from last season and that'll do him a world of good. When he did that think... celebration, on, so when he did his usual celebration on that pitch, in the state it was, God, I was worried. Like I was just watching him to see how he came down, and obviously he still had a smile on his face, and he was fine. But oh, I think for anybody who can't or can't even imagine being able to do a backflip, you just envision it going wrong. But um, no, very happy for him to get that goal. But imagine that though. Imagine it did go wrong. This has been wrong before, hasn't it? I swear there's a someone like Luar Luar who's done it, and it's like landed on their face or something. Like <laughs> I always imagine, is it worth the risk? Didn't someone pull their hammy doing it as well one time? Well, just all of it, like doing it wrong, hitting your face, get, pulling your hammy or something. Is, is it worth the risk? I don't know. Maybe on. If the knee slides scare me, when they when they dodge the knee slide and they sort of fall <laughs> to their oh, face. Yeah. Oh, it's an ACL there. <laughs> just just quickly before we, we preview Hull on Saturday, I just want to, I mean, I'm looking at defensive options and it, it, another one who, who I shouted out last week, Ozzy Kakai is really kicked on as well and got a bit of consistency. I'm really pleased with that. So, it, it, you know, we've got um, Clark Salter, who's been excellent. He was excellent, by the way. Um, Man of the match for me against yeah, Preston. I thought he I mean, was we, unbelievable. But I like the fact that, again, he's, he's like talks all the time. He's always having a go at someone. He's always just like, I know foul him, but that's not great. But what I mean is he's just, you know, he, and, he's, and he's really good on the ball as well. But with him, you know, we rested Cook, right? So you've got Cook. Um, I don't think Fox is far away. So I think defensively, we're pretty sound. Um, I just think if we, if we can just get Armstrong, I think the one thing lacking is just if we can just get Armstrong going, I think he's, then he'll be really cooking. The fact that Marty said, gave us at least positive news that, look, he should be back in full training tomorrow. Then it'd be assessed. So what's tomorrow? Tuesday. You've got four days of training or however many they're actually going to have this week. That's That's a positive. As long as there's obviously no setbacks but yeah fully agree I think I think we'd have so much more faith in Marty getting the best out of Armstrong knowing when to use him when not to use him the right points to play in games the right positions to get into that's that's what he needs he's got the min he's got more minutes under Ainsworth than he had previously but it's all well and good getting minutes but you need to be coached in the right manner I feel now that's what um what he's going to get. I just wonder, I saw a tweet saying, uh, um, from someone saying that maybe Armstrong doesn't suit Marty's style of play. I, I, I don't know. It was just, it, it provoked a thought that maybe if you think about it, he's not a Lyndon Dykes, but he's not like a, I'm just trying to think of, you know, he's passing and getting the ball and he's a bit of a, on the move, isn't he? Down the sides, in the space, kind of, I don't know. And, and, is that unfair? I don't know. I don't think it's unfair because I don't think with Sinks, he's kind of that kind of channel runner, isn't he? Whereas I think with Marty, he kind of wants someone who's going to be a poacher. I think he wants his striker to, he's going to be like, obviously he's utilising Dykes in this hold-up play, but you can see when, any team who plays football, they like their goal scorer in that almost 
in the 18 yard box, but like the little 18 yard box in between the goalposts, just in that area, like a Charlie Austin would be, to be on the end of balls, be getting the cutbacks. Mm. I don't see Sinks or Dykes as those kind of players, but obviously he's using Dykes in a different way by drawing in um, Smith or Willock or Chair, whoever's out and wide, and trying to get them closer to him than they were previously. Could he play on the right? Is it a sub for Smith? Well, I was literally thinking that. That's exactly what I was thinking. Could he be moved out wide? I don't know. Yeah, if you've got Chair and Willock in that basically the the left wing, like left pocket area combining with Powell a lot, then you can move the ball out or like you've said earlier, the right wing running in at the back post all the time. That's that stuff you can coach. Like we're not going to be saying to Sinclair Armstrong, right, you need to be playing one twos with Reggie Cannon and inside to Dixon Bonner all the time. We've got that. We've got the players that do that. Um, I think I think if you ask five QPR fans, what is the best way to use Sinclair Armstrong? You probably get five different answers. So does anybody know the best way of playing, of using him? It's up to no. Marty said exactly that. Well, I've got to get the best out of the players I've got. Um, mm. So... Yeah, I'm sure he will. It's a shame because we would know that had he, if he had had the loan, he probably should have had in the last year or two. We're guessing because we've not seen him enough and we've only seen him under Gareth Ainsworth, really. And that was his style. Um, and, and I don't think he ever, he ever looked fully happy or comfortable doing anything so far. So you're right. I guess it's he just needs a run of games, doesn't it? A real run of games, uh, which is just frustrating. Anyway, Jack, Norwich, um, Wigan, come at, Wigan, what's going on with me? Um, <laughs> Hull coming up on... Um, on Saturday, um, good side, um, really good side going forward, right up there. Um, it's going to be a tough game. What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I like the manager too. I think he's done quite a good job, and he's got a bit of a good track record. You know, when he's assistant at Derby with Rooney, I think I look for you know the stuff there. I mean, QPR at home can build on the momentum. Recent results, you know, suggest. Could be iffy, but um, when I'm talking about is December, QPR haven't won a home game at Loftus Road in December since 2019. And that was under Walton against Preston. They won 2-0 with Barry as they scoring two goals. With 10 games without a win in December at Loftus Road since then, failing to score in the last seven home games in December. So, you know, there's a weird, weird one. That. You're a ray of sunshine, aren't you, Jack? <laughs> Just trying to like lower the expectations after a really positive pod, obviously. But no, I, I think obviously it counts for nothing, let's be honest. It's it's about where we're at where we're at now, the momentum we're building in the last three or four games. And what can we do? Can we capitalize and really get, you know, hit three wins in a row? I mean, I wouldn't put it past us, but hole with no mugs, as Ben says. And I think it'll be with with their, you know, with QPR, if they score first, they've got, you know, a pretty good recent record of going on to getting a result. If they concede first, and that's going to be a new challenge. We haven't we haven't seen that yet under the new manager. What we can do from behind too much. Chris, what changes are you expecting? What's what team are you expecting? Um, I mean, Ilias comes straight back in. I think that's sort of goes without saying, really. I think then it becomes um comes an issue in terms of who in that midfield we judge how Colback, how well Colback is. Um, how bad that injury was or was it look at something he might have been able to run off but in those conditions it's like look, it's going to be harder for you to run that off um, 
the back four. I think I'd bring Cook back in for Dunn. I thought Dunn did well enough on Friday, but Cook and Clark sort of are the centre-back pairing we want to see. Um, so, yeah, probably two or three changes from that team, but um, whoever in midfield can keep Philogene for Dent's quiet, that's the key, because he's been uh, he's been unreal for Hull. But it kind of shows you what, when you spend five, I think it was five mil they bought him for, um, certain clubs have the ability to spend that amount on a player. Um, and he's been doing incredibly well, but he missed the penalty at the weekend. Hopefully his confidence is down. He has an off game and um, Cher and Willick will scare them. So, um, yeah, we're going in with a lot more confidence than we have recently. Doug, score prediction, mate. What do you think? 2 0 to the R's. God, three in a row. Honestly. Three in a row. Literally. I don't know what church Marty's taking me to, but I'm converting from there. <laughs> you're, either, you're like fully in or out, aren't you? Anyone. Like, like fully. Mate, you're gonna, you're, that's how you've got to live life, mate. Going. You can't sit on that fence for your life, mate. You're either in or out. <laughs> Come on. Fair enough. Fair enough. Jack, what are you thinking, mate? Um, I think. I'm going to say 2-1 to Queen's Park Rangers. Chris? 1-1. One, one. Oh, Don't think I can predict us to win three in a row. You don't trust me. No. Are you going, Chris? Are you there? You I will be there. Yeah. Probably We've got to do that hoodoo. <laughs> um, so. I, yeah, I'm going to go 1-0 uh, to someone. <laughs> get off that fence. <laughs> Is that as on the fence answer as you can get, right? Oh, my days. <laughs> cool. Lads, thanks for joining. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. And um, we'll see you again next week. Yours. Yours. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.